Welcome to Financial Flight Academy with John Schutz and Brent Connolly from Soar Wealth Strategies. In this podcast, we inspire families and business owners to build a foundation for their financial future. We do this by listening and building trust with our clients. Join us for this journey where we explore ways to protect your nest and live out your dreams as John and Brent draw from years of experience and guest experts to help you take that leap of faith. Well, today's guest is a former model whose passion for cooking fueled his fire to leave the runway for the kitchen. And now Chef Bob Haney is sharing grandma's recipe through his company, Heavenly Waffles. Welcome to Financial Flight Academy. I'm John Schutz. And I'm Brent Connolly. You know, John, there's one thing we're good at here at Sorwell Strategy. (laughs) What's that, Brent? It's having guests on that are in the food industry. Yeah, I like that. That is uh, well played. We, uh, We like to eat here. Well, uh, you brought the right guy on. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Chef Bob. We are excited for you to be here and share your story. Well, thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Appreciate it. Heavenly Waffles. You you had me at hello. <laughs> <laughs> so Heavenly Waffles was originally a product called Pan Crepes. Brent, you saw uh, the, the Pan Crepes box. And so what it was is my gra- I have kind of a tumultuous childhood and my grandmother was my rock and my foundation. And so... One of my earliest memories was standing over a, a stove on a step stool, helping her make Thanksgiving gravy. And so anytime that I was with my grandma or my grandpa, my grandpa made really good sandwiches and soup and my grandma did everything else. And so I just always gravitated towards the kitchen. It was my happy place. And I won't go into my childhood right now, but I'll, I'll just kind of explain the process of how this product came into play. And so when my grandma turned 80 years old, she kind of quit eating and she was living here in Omaha and I was living in Kansas city. And once a month I would drive up and cook for her and play cards with her. And back when I was a smoker, we'd sit around and smoke cigarettes and play cards all day. <laughs> and I would, and I would think, man, thank the Lord I was able to quit that, but I would fill her refrigerator with food. And while I was there over that weekend, a month, she would love a product, a pan, a recipe that I created using some ingredients of a pancake recipe she made and some ingredients of a pancake recipe my mom made. And I combined those different ingredients. And I and one day there wasn't one of the ingredients, which was sour cream, but there was yogurt in the refrigerator. And I'm like, oh, that'll work. And so that's how that recipe was created. And so over the years, I just kind of tweaked it so it was constant. I modeled for 15 years and ended up the first seven years, I bartended and waited tables and modeled like most every other model or actor finally brent <laughs> someone who can go toe-to-toe with me on the looks category okay now now let's it's about time stop it right there okay all right this is too good this is too good okay so, so wait real, real quick yeah so is this heavenly waffles is yes. it is this a packaged product is this a do yeah. i have to go to a store to eat a heavenly waffle so we have them in restaurants coffee shops training tables all over the country. The University of Nebraska serves them to all their athletes. University of Tennessee serves them to all their athletes. University of Miami is starting to serve them to all their athletes. We just picked up the University of South Florida. Got a call today from exec- one of the chefs at the New York Jets. And so hopefully we can pick them up. We cooked for the Phillies minor league team and rehab facility last <laughs> Wednesday in Clearwater, Florida. Um, we did an HSN episode last Tuesday in St. Pete. Wow. Um, 
but our so you but now you wouldn't normally think that sorry brent i'm uh, you got me going with food no um, i know i know so uh you wouldn't normally think that a, tr a training table food for these professional athletes would be a waffle so sure. let's tell me about why, why they, that is why yeah right. so the reason that the why why athletes like heavenly waffles or everyone else likes heavenly waffles yeah. is we're replacing 40 percent of the traditional flour with 40 percent dry yogurt and by replacing that 40% of the flour with dry yogurt, the texture, consistency, mouthfeel, not only is that so much better and do they taste so much better, but you know when you eat a pancake or a waffle and you feel like you need to take a nap, you don't, you don't have that hypoglycemic reaction with heavenly waffles. And so it's good pre and post-workout. And like I said, you you don't have that feeling like you need to take a nap. And oh, so, we know that feeling. Oh, I, I, yeah. Oh, and it's, and, no and I'm not, every other, pancakes and waffles are just, they're good. Yeah. However, that that reaction that your body feels after you get done eating them is not so good. And so because because that that is the, the result and how you feel when you get done eating heavenly waffles and you kind of, you're energized, as well as them being within the American Diabetes Guidelines. Well, so this is uh, okay. Let's let's back up the wagon a little bit here, Brent. It's a great success story, and we're going to talk about it a little bit more. But now we're really going to find out about Chef Bob. That's right. Let's <laughs> let's move back just a little bit. So okay. you grew up in Omaha, right? That I did. You know, interesting childhood, and eventually moved to Yankton, South Dakota. Talk I did. a little bit about that. So I um I, I like I might have mentioned I have ten marriages and nine divorces between three of my parents. Wow, so it was kind of a tumultuous. Um, childhood. That was kind of why I spent so much time at my grandma and grandpa's because they were like, that was my safe place. So my first stepdad got custody of all of us kids because he made my mom out to be kind of an unfit mother. However, she wasn't, but he had a lot of, a whole lot of money. And so mm -hmm. he told her that if she can tried to contest for custody, that all of us kids would end up in, what is it? Foster care. Right. And We'd never, she'd never see us again. Huh. So oh, she didn't go to the custody, I guess the case or, or, or the he custody hearing. Mm -hmm. So he got custody of all of us. Uh, my two younger adopted brothers and my sister and me for six years. And he was a abusive alcoholic. And so it was, it was kind of a nightmare that, that six years. And so when I was old enough to decide whether or not I wanted to move to live with my mom, which I did the day they got divorced anyway, my sister and I uh, packed up and moved to Yankton, mm -hmm. South Dakota. She had, she was, was having an affair. You'd find solace in another man's arms because she was in the type of relationship she was in. And she was having an affair with the tennis pro at the country club. who was putting himself through medical school, who became an anesthesiologist who, Used to guard Dr. J and Dave Cowens because he played basketball at the University of New Hampshire. It's so literally, <laughs> I, I know, crazy. It, I know, it, it, <laughs> it's nuts. I mean, it's, it's our first Dr. J reference but, on Financial Flight Academy. Yeah, exactly. But he, but it's I know, I know people are like, you're making this up. I'm like, I don't have that vivid of an imagination. I really don't. And so anyway, so that's how I got to South Dakota, and I moved to South Dakota when I was 13. Um, graduated from high school from there moved back down to Omaha and played baseball on a summer legion team 
West Side Summer Legion team, best probably the best team I ever played with. Go Warriors. Uh, they were another I mean, West Side guy. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Shout out to go. Randy Peterson right. Paul out there as well. <laughs> Everybody uh, else, he's throwing up the W. Okay, go yeah, ahead. Here go we ahead. Go. Yeah, now, whatever. You're being very modest, but you excelled at baseball. I was pretty good at baseball. I walked on at Nebraska. However, when I when I played, uh, when I walked on, so I I knew how good these these guys were, and I. I had never sat on the bench before in my life. And so when I got there and keep in mind, all of the, like all of the position players on that team played division one baseball. They were amazing. I mean, they were so good. So they were like, they were like, who are you? And why do you think you get to play with us? So like the first four games I sat on the bench and Paul Myers, who a lot of people know. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. Probably one of the best. He, he, and his son is now currently Jay, with the yeah, Houston amazing. Astros. No, yeah. Paulie yeah. was Probably one of the best players I ever played with. He yeah. played center field like he he was out there running around like a deer. I mean, he caught up to everything, but he happened to be pitching. He was a junior. He was a year younger than I was. But that year, he threw back-to-back no-hitters. I mean, who does that? <laughs> but anyway, so he was pitching. We were playing against Ron Colley, and and so we were losing, and and I was sitting on the bench. And so he'd, Frank Ryan, who was our coach, was like, well, I guess this is, this is as good a time as any to see if this kid can play. So I came in. <laughs> shut him down, hit, ended up hitting in the winning run. And they were like, okay, he can play. So I walked on at Nebraska because throughout my whole high school career, and I, we only had Legion ball in Yankton. Yeah. And I had no, but a great baseball program up in Yankton. Traditionally, it yeah. was rapid city that they were good. Yankton. Was- well, yeah, but yeah. Okay. All right. But Yankton, <laughs> but, but so, so anyway, so I, when I walked on at Nebraska, I was kind of, how do I put this lightly? I like to smoke pot back in the day. Okay. And so I. <laughs> not part of the regiment. No, it was it. not yeah. part of the training process. Yeah. But, but so the first day of tryouts and there were like 250 walk-ons for like, for two positions. I didn't hear because I wasn't paying attention. The coach say that the cut list will be outside the athletic room door every day. Just, you know, go check and see if your name's still on it. I didn't, I never went and checked on it. So the last day of practice for the last day of tryouts. Now th- keep in mind these, you know, the, the walk-ons were just kind of disappearing and I didn't know where they were going. I just figured, you know, it was like a dance contest and they came and tapped you on the shoulder. And so, okay, you go, you don't have to come back. And so, so the final day, there was a, uh, another pitcher, Kurt Thomas, he was from Columbus who I'd befriended. And the final day Sanders said the final cut list and, 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 the players, you know, the scholarship players and the year of the, the, or the regular team had started showing up and practicing with us. And, and so Sanders said, okay, the final cut list will be outside the athletic room door as it has been every other day. And I looked at this kid, I said, have you been going to check? He goes, no, I haven't you. And I'm like, no, I didn't know. <laughs> I thought, I thought we cut these two knuckleheads weeks ago. It's the George Costanza defense from Seinfeld. <laughs> that he thought that was real. Still <laughs> so, and I was, I made the team. So we practiced a couple of weeks and I was supposed to start the first inner squad game and Ray Tromba, I think is his name was uh, the pitching coach. He said, you're starting my high school girlfriend at the time thought she was pregnant. And so I was like, I've got to, I've got to go back to Yankton. And I told him the situation. He goes, I wouldn't do that if I were you. And I was literally so embarrassed and so ashamed. I just never went back. So then the next year I played, I, I had a very, 
I had a fun freshman year, ended up in rehab after my freshman year, went and played baseball at Iowa Western my sophomore season. Apparently, my dad, first stepdad, had a scout come look at me, and he didn't tell me this until I was 39 years old. When I moved back to Omaha, he goes, did I ever tell you I had a scout come look at you after during your sophomore year at Iowa Western? I said, no. I said, well, what do you say? He goes, well, if you needed 10 stars to make it to the major leagues, you had nine. I'm like, well, <laughs> thanks for what sharing. Would have been nice thanks to know. Sharing <laughs> that with me. Wow. <laughs> um, and so that was <clears throat> that was when I dropped out of college, quit playing baseball, and followed my now wife to Arizona. And so I, I my baseball career was over at that point, and so I ended up moving to Arizona. And now, now this is where we get to the really fun part of the story. <laughs> Hold your breath out there. This is how we get into modeling. This is how I got into the modeling. I, well, save that because we'll talk about that when we come back. Hey, sorry for the interruption. I know you're listening to the podcast, Financial Flight Academy, and we are so happy you're here. If you have any questions, please head over to soarwealthstrategies.com or the show notes to find out how to reach us. We would love to hear from you. Well, we're back with Chef Bob Haney of Heavenly Waffles on Financial Flight Academy. And, uh, you know, the burden of being an extraordinarily good looking human being. I, I know this burden. So, Bob, <laughs> how did you? Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, Bob. No comments. All right. Bob, how did tell how did you get into this modeling game? So I had broken up with Kathy, my wife now. We were 20. <laughs> Who's sitting here, by the way. Hi, honey. We were 20. 21 at the time and we just kind of went different directions neither of us really can even remember what happened but uh, we had broken up kathy I, looks like she can remember yeah, i'm sure <laughs> you, I, I'm, I'm guessing you were a jerk and it was your fault but let's it move had on. to be he was young and it had to, it's to do with his problems that he had previously with the baseball yeah there's correct yeah <laughs> exactly and so i was and, and a lot of my stories back in this era started with i was drunk in a bar <laughs> <laughs> and I was drunk in a bar. Okay. And um, some this guy came up to me and asked me if I wanted to do a calendar. And I was like, doo, 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 sure. I and I didn't remember. And two weeks later, he called and said, "Okay, we're shooting today." I said, "We're shooting what today?" And, and so he was like, "Well, we're going to shoot that calendar. Don't you remember?" I'm like, "Oh, okay, sure." So I shot that calendar. Ended up not seeing it it was about a month later and i had moved to kansas city to go through rehab again it was a it was that was a common theme in my life i went through rehab three times and so i was working at brooks brothers on the plaza in kansas city and this girl came in and she said you're kim haney's brother i said yeah i said i i am and she goes you're on this calendar that I bought and I had never <laughs> and I had never seen it. And so the the guy who had produced the calendar was like traveling around all the colleges all over the country and selling this calendar. And so my sister was going to KU at the time and this girl had bought the calendar and I was on the calendar. And so that was and I had been I was going to AA meetings and I had met this guy who knew the art director at Jones store down in Kansas city a department store. And, and, and I think it was here. They, they had a Jones store here for a little while at West roads. But so I went, he was like, you need to, you need to try and pursue this modeling thing. And so I went to and met Will Pettit was his name. And he, he said, okay, you'll either sink or swim. And so I went and um, shot for like eight hours that day. And then 
they would started having me back. And so that was the start of my modeling career. And then I started working a little bit in Denver, a little bit in Dallas. And so for seven years, now I wasn't making enough money to, for it to be full time. Yeah. So I was bartending and waiting tables and living that life. And so I ended up after seven years moving, going up to helping a friend of mine move to Chicago. And I went up to Chicago and went and saw some agents and I couldn't get any agents to represent me because all of my pictures were just kind of catalog pictures. There was no editorial stuff or anything that GQ looking to, right. to wow any of the designers. So, and to be honest, I had no idea who any of the designers <laughs> were. I was, I was just, I got to work with pretty girls and, and get paid for it. And so um, so I, I met, there is another name for that, but anyway, go continue. Go ahead. I ended up meeting a woman named Marie Anderson Boyd, and she was the woman who discovered, she discovered Cindy Crawford. And so oh. she owned an agency in Chicago and said, your portfolio isn't where it needs to be to compete in the market here. But here are the name of six photographers down in, in Miami. Go to Miami and test and then come back and we'll see if we'll we'll represent you. Hmm. So I ended up in Miami about three weeks later. I met a woman. I would get up in the morning and go run, run along the beach, go have an espresso or a latte and smoke cigarettes and and. Uh-huh, this was my life and and the, and read the newspaper and and one morning i met this woman rosalina matini was her name I don't, I, and i again i don't know how i remember all of these people's names but rosalina matini and jacopo atro and atro textiles sells all of their fabrics to like armani and versace and valentino and hugo boss and dolce and gabbana and all these people and so i it's the son i think he now runs atro textiles and she she goes, we're going to, she said to me, have you ever worked and modeled in Milan before? And I, I was like, no, uh -uh. <laughs> not, not yet. <laughs> and so- Hasn't everyone? Yeah. <laughs> and so she handed me an envelope. She said, we're going to Acapulco for a few days, but here's an invitation to a friend of mine's New Year's Eve party. Just go and tell him that you're a friend of ours. And so, and I was like, okay, cool. So I get back to the pension I was staying at in Miami. And I open it up and it says, you're cordially invited to Prince Egon von Furstenberg's New Year's Eve party. Prince. Prince. So he's the Prince of Italy. Egon von Egon Furstenberg. Von, so Diane von Furstenberg's ex-husband, who Diane von Furstenberg, the wedding dress designer, her ex-husband. Isn't was, that the character Will Ferrell played in a movie? Uh, right, <laughs> ben Furstenberg. Think, no, anyway, right. go ahead. So, <laughs> so I end up going to this New Year's Eve party. I met meet Aegon. He owns part of an agency in Milan called Vertigine. He said, "Come meet, sh come show me tomorrow uh, your portfolio, and meet one of the bookers. He's in town from from Milan, and we'll look through your book. And if we want to represent you, then cool." So I go to his amazing on the beach home, and they're tearing my my portfolio apart and pulling pictures out and, <laughs> oh, this, mustaches. Oh, yeah, I mean, just, this, this will not work and blah 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 and so they take some of the pictures and they say okay we'll show our board and, and we'll get back to you and so three days later i get this call saying okay we want you here tomorrow i'm like you, wow. you what they, they're like we want you here tomorrow and so i'm like okay well you're gonna have to i had no money i was broke <laughs> and 
I said, well, you're going to have to give me money to, to live on a place to stay and fly me over there. And they're like, Oh, okay, we'll do it. Now I had to pay all that back once I got there and sure, started working, sure, which was right. fine. But so three days later, I get on a plane, I fly to Italy, I get off the plane and, and I keep in mind, I'm this hoop bat from Nebraska going to Milan, <laughs> Italy to try to model. And right. I, and I had never done anything like that before. And so um, How was your Italian? <laughs> it, it was it didn't exist. <laughs> it was, mucho gracias. <laughs> I, I think that's a combination of Spanish yeah, right. and, and Italian. And so I get off the plane and I walk into the first casting and sitting there is Gianni Versace and next to oh, him wow. is Elton John and I am like I am way <laughs> out of my league. This Again, the just... first time Elton John's yes. been yeah right. And yeah. you get him on the yeah. podcast for us anyway. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I, so I end up just kind of you know limping along and and work a little bit in Milan go to Greece for a while and work there which was really cool and then I go back and I had tested with a bunch of photographers and my book had had progressed and so I got back to the United States went back to Marie Anderson Boyd and some other agencies and got representation in Chicago and then just and that was kind of where you know things picked up and I started doing a bunch of commercials and editorial stuff and things like that but not only did that pick up, but so did my alcohol and drug use. And so it was it was kind of a vicious cycle of. Yeah, of it's not all it's all glamorous. There's a dark side to that industry. Oh, for sure. And the people are, you know, there are some amazing people in the industry, but on the on the whole, it's a pretty deceptive. They're, the agents and bookers are used car salesmen and the models are the used cars. Yeah, and it's just it's it's something. It yeah. is something else. So you do that for quite a while. I how, do. And how long? I did it until I was 35 years old. I was in San Francisco. Kind of like an athlete. Right. Washed up at 35. <laughs> huh? Exactly. Right? <laughs> so I was in San Francisco. I had moved uh, New York. It was kind of a slow season. And so my agency in New York was like, we'll go to San Francisco and try and get some catalog work. And, and so I went to San Francisco, was there for about, oh, eight or nine months it was t 1999 to 2000 and I was doing a lot of cocaine and ended up, I was doing a billboard for the gap. It was a big job. And this like 23 year old art director, fresh out of art school, I got there. And sometimes when you, when you go do jobs, you would have brings. And so for instance, you might need five different light blue button down shirts, mm -hmm. or in this case, I needed a, a variety of shoes. So when I got there, this little girl basically looked at me and goes, where's your shoe bag? And I said, well, I wasn't told to bring shoes. And she goes, what are we going to do about that? Maybe you should go over and sit and think about what we're going to do about that. <laughs> and keep in mind, I was, I was 35 years old. I'm right. like, what are you, you're putting me in time out. <laughs> so I, I said a few expletives to her and F you and, and said, I'm done. And I walked mm -hmm. out and she's like, and she, she literally chased me like three down three blocks of San Francisco streets saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm like, no, I'm done. And I called my agent in New York and I said, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. These people are horrible. Mm -hmm. And I moved and dropped out of society, moved to Taos, New Mexico. <laughs> my sister had moved to Taos, New Mexico, and my mom moved to Taos, New Mexico. So I just went there and kind of hid for a few years, rolled a couple of cars and ended up coming to one morning and thinking, Either I'm going to die. And, and I had been through rehab three times up until that point. Right. And I was like, either I'm going to die, I'm going to end up in jail or, and the last 
was I'm going to hurt somebody in an accident and I wouldn't be able to live with myself. And the Mm -hmm. second that that last thought crossed my mind, it was like God put his hand on my shoulder and took the compulsion for me to drink away. And I was just like, and I haven't had a drink since. Really? um, It was. And at the time, I didn't think that it was God. I just thought it was, you know, my extreme willpower, which it had nothing to do with that, because on my own devices, I would be dead. And so that was that was the day that basically changed my life and enabled me to become what God's intention was for me. And so now I get to do what I do. What a great story. Wow. Yeah. I mean, the first part, not so good, but yeah. well, you know, to be honest, and a lot of people ask me that question and they're like, uh, would you, what would you change? Is there anything you would change about, yeah. you know, your life? And it's like a lot of my story is I'm not proud of the behavior. I, 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 the things that I did and how I treated people, I'm not proud of that, but how, but it made me who I am today and got me to the place that I am today and, and enabled me to do what I love and love, love what I do and do what I love and make people smile every single day that we, we go out and share heavenly waffles with people and surprise people because they're so much different than any other pancake or waffle mix on the planet. And, and I ended up, I ended up, ended up going to La Cordon Bleu when I was 44 years old and then moved back to Omaha and started teaching. I, I, Kathy and I reconnected when I was 40, I guess I 44, honey. I guess I, we were, I, we were 44. Um, and I get this random email from her and keep in mind, I hadn't seen her talk to her in 25 years. <laughs> and I had always kept in contact with her two younger brothers who were also friends of mine. We grew up. I gave her a ring when we were 12. She still has. And, and so I had given her younger brother, my email in 2002. Now fast forward 2008, I get this random email from her saying, join Facebook. And I wasn't on Facebook at the time. And she inadvertently sent out this mass join Facebook to all of her con- contacts on her contact list. And she was like, wait, not all of those. <laughs> and so, and, and so I get this email Love and I'm it. like, well, sure. If I can see your smiling face. And so we end up starting to, you know, message back and forth and her, her now ex-husband had been through rehab like three times in two years. And so her mom went down to Florida and my two bonus daughters, Kate and Allie um, were nine and 13 and her mom said, you're coming home with me. So they moved back from Florida to Omaha. I, again, followed her back after I graduated from Le Cordon Bleu. And here we are. Wow. <laughs> wow. I, you parted my hair there, Bob. <laughs> it's quite a story. It's right? it's kind of crazy. It's so, kind of crazy. So what's next now for Heavenly Waffles? So what we're planning on doing, we have been in food service for about the last seven years, focusing on like hotels, restaurants, casinos, assisted living schools, cruise ships, corporate restaurants, training tables now kind of popped in just inadvertently. We've been vetted and cleared to start selling our mix to every major league baseball training facility, every spring training facility. But we're bringing on a couple of heavy hitters who are just have an amazing track record in the food industry. And so we're going to, we're going to dive into retail in the next probably five, four or five months. I, we were in the R and D kitchen about three weeks, two weeks ago, came up with a few SKUs, a few new SKUs. We're going to be doing 
um, some flavored heavenly waffles. We're going to be pop, popping up our protein content from seven to 12, hmm. just to make it a little, make us a little more competitive in that arena. And, and then, and then go sprouts is, is kind of hopefully one of our target markets, whole foods, natural grocers, mm-hmm. and then just go from there, kind of, kind of take over the waffle industry. As so well. you're not retail yet. The average person can't go out and we have a few heavenly waffles we, or go online and buy them. We, you can go online and buy okay. them. You can get them. Um, there's some boutique stores. You can get them at NC fit right around the corner. Our son-in-law owns NC feet, son-in-law and daughter own NC fit right around the corner off 168th. You can get them at Rexius Nutrition's. You can get them at the Table Coffee Company down in the old market. You can get them at the Lighthouse Cafe in Bellevue. Okay. You can get them at Karma Coffee. You can get them at Ellsworth Crossing. You can get them at Nelson Farm or Nelson Produce Farms. Is there a website where yeah, folks heaven, can find you? Heavenlywaffles.com. Go there and uh, say you heard heard us on the radio and or on the podcast and and um and then we're going to be at Lanahan Nursery. Radio only wish they had us. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to be at Lanahan Nursery this Sunday from 11 to 2, serving up chicken and waffles with the fennel sausage gravy. If, if you mm. anyone's out and about. It's very good. It's, yeah. <laughs> it, it really I was good. lucky enough to have a taste. Brent test. has uh, done the taste. Yes. Test. Well, Chef Bob Haney, thank you for uh, coming in today. It has been quite a story and great getting to know you. Well, thank you so much for having us. Yeah. You're welcome. And and remember, please check out the rest of our podcasts. We love sharing these types of stories with incredible people that have overcome obstacles. Join us for the next time on Financial Flight Academy. I'm Brent Connolly. And I'm John Schutz. And uh, check us out here at Sorwell Strategies. But thank you again for uh, listening to Financial Flight Academy. Thank you for listening to the Financial Flight Academy podcast. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at SoarWealthStrategies.com or give us a call at 531-867-3400. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Soar Wealth Strategies. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Securities and advisory services offered through Commonwealth Financial Network, member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor.